cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Wednesday, the 28th of April, 2021, and it is time, everyone, for episode whatever number it is for Morning Combat. Hi, I'm from CBS Sports. My name is Luke Thomas, and I am joined by the King of Connecticut himself, Mr. Washy Washed McWasherson, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you, buddy? Luke, I'm fired up. I'm feeling very artistic today, and, uh, you know, it's hump day, it's Wednesday, Hey, no wheel of death today. Don't tune off. Don't tune out, though. Okay, don't drop out. How about you tune in, Corey? Are you talking to me? We're a live show right now. Are you caught? Yeah, Manich? they do a lot of that jibber jabber. You talking to me? You're talking to me, bro. Uh, so yeah, Luke, I'm ready. Okay, a lot to get into today. All right, a lot, a lot. I uh, I can't quite read the thing behind you as my dog barks uncontrollably. What does it say behind you? You know, it's Jay a revelation. Aaron is Jake Paul. <laughs> I mean, am I no, wrong? Because. Am I wrong? No, Jake Paul, Jake Paul is uh, equally untalented, but way more financially compensated. Some people you know have I mean? called me the, the Jake Paul of the art world. Do you want to see my latest piece, Luke? Of course I do. It's called Unlucky Lindbergh, all right? Your thoughts, Luke. Your thoughts. Your thoughts. Um... It's a, it's a it's more of a uh, ret- it's more of a commentary on today's political system than anything, Luke. But you can pull from it what you need. All right. All right. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How do you follow uh, that, Luke? Wow. But there's no wheel of death today. However, there are fan submissions. We will do those later. We have a a few big topics and then a few small topics. We'll get to them all with equal zest and uh, joie de vivre. It's like and, it, it, uh, you just described looking at you and I naked back to back, right? No, I don't think I did do that, did I? No. Right. Hey, I'll just check um, out now. Look, this is not starting out well. Okay, I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll just excuse myself from here. All right. Uh, all right. So let's remind everyone: thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. If you want to try Showtime, you can. You can try it free for thirty days. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. If you want to take the pl- da plunge. For a real Bellator experience, you can go to show.com slash Bellator MMA. And for the first six months, you can get it for 4 bucks and 99 cents each of those months. Uh, if you want some MK merch and you live uh, in, you know, Tim Tebow throwing distance from the actual place in which they are produced, or you see a mug that BC's holding up that you actually cannot buy on the store. <laughs> You can go to store.show.com. You can buy that beanie, though, BC. How about this co-host t-shirt, maybe? You could not buy that one either. Not yet, anyway. Although I've heard rumors and rumblings uh, that that's coming. Speaking of rumbling, there's only one place to watch Rumble Romero May 7th, Luke, and that is on Showtime. So I always need you to hammer that home for the people, okay? And you and I will be there. We will be at the Mohegan Sun watching that in person. I am looking forward. Uh, The last... Bellator show I saw in person. I think this is true. Was Kimbo Dada Five Thousand? I think that's wow. the last one I saw in person. Yeah, I, I was a regular attender of the Mohegan shows, Luke. So I've seen a lot of Benson Henderson, Pat Curran, okay. Patricio. Oh, you right. know, I've I've made the rounds. All right. All right. Fair enough. 
Um, so we'll be there next week. We got a whole thing to do about that. Uh, what else we got going on, BC? You think the oh, guy with like the, the hat will be there? You think Chuck Mindenhall will show up? I mean, it is his state. Ooh. You know, that's a great question. Because um, if he does, I want to reunite with that man. I love that man. See, he's gone to indie media, though, so your travel budget's going to be minimal, although he lives not too far from there, right? Pretty close to you. I'd say there's a pretty good chance, actually. Pretty good chance. I'd host him in my room if he was willing to sign a contract that says the hat must stay on. <laughs> um, and nothing else, huh? Just the hat? <laughs> I, I've seen Star Wars Episode Six, Luke, or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Can I you tell know. you, that's the most... Dude, that's the most disappointing scene in Star Wars. No, no, is, no, no, no. No, they finally take the mask off, and Darth Vader looks like someone's fucking English butler. It's like, this dude doesn't look tough at all, man. And I realize he's supposed to be all mangled and, like, you know, burned and shit. But even then, he looks like he is the kind of guy who lectures 17-year-olds about not knowing Latin derivations of words. Fuck First that guy, all, man. He sucked. First of all, his head hadn't seen the sun in like 45 years, all right? He's been killing dudes. So his skull is good and its skin is going to look a lot like your balls after the winter season, Luke, before it's time to get out there in the sun. So, look, it was a very touching moment. And I think as a kid seeing that, it was it was gross. It was weird. You know, it was like, oh. No. And the, it I was like it Wonder, everyone to- was like, oh, Wonder Woman's such a good movie. I'm like, it's okay. The fucking... Uh, villain in that movie is something larger than this, but for the most of the movie takes the form of, you know, uh, an English teacher at parochial school. For It's like, what? The, who the fuck is this? He's got elbow pads and he wants to lecture you on the significance of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Fuck this guy. I don't know. I took the deeper message between father and son there. He was able to turn his father back to the light, Luke, and I think there's still time for you and your dad to do the same. Yeah, I don't think that there is. <laughs> I think my father's a little bit closer to Palpatine at this point. Um, all right. Uh, if you want to email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com for fan submissions, which we will do today. We have Dead Wrong on Friday, so you can get those in as well. And uh, yeah, by the way, BC has some interviews out. He's got an interview out with Chris Ariola, which I have to tell you, I found surprisingly good in this sense, BC. I ain't got a lot of interest in that fight with Andy Ruiz, but I am kind of curious about... Andy being with this new camp. Chris Ariola's seen some shit. He's and he's got some stories to tell. A great interview, su- by the way, too. It, yeah, so. it was actually surprisingly good. Yeah, and the, by the way, this is one of those fights that like shouldn't be a pay-per-view. Yes, we should defecate on it. But then at the end of the day, it's probably gonna be a pretty fun fight. It's just one of those things, Luke, okay? The thing for me is Andy Ruiz in shape with maybe the best trainer in boxing. I got to tell you, BC, that is intriguing to me. This fight in particular, ah, take it or leave it, whatever. It ain't for me. All right. But I got to tell you, if he can look good against Areola, which he should, and then build on that, I, I, I am intrigued by that, BC. I'm legitimately all in on well-trained, in-shape, motivated Andy Ruiz, you know? And Luke, I've got another interview coming out later today on Morning Combat on YouTube. Do you? All right. A fellow by the name of Yuri Prohatska. If you will, Hotchka? okay. Hotchka, I think. I don't know. This is a wild interview. I mean, I've never had one, Luke, before, where the, where somebody pauses the video screen to look up a translation of a word. I mean, this is this is there's some entertainment in here. I hope people could check it out. All right, that'll be up. I think at, I think our producer said 3 p.m. today, so be on the lookout for that as well. Um, okay, well, we have a lot of stuff to get to, BC. So let's set it all up here. Obviously, there are some fights this weekend, and we will get to that on Friday's show, although we'll have a little bit of that here today as well. BFL is going to be back and whatnot, but let's start the show with what I think is actually a surprisingly big story, 
which is that John Jones has parted ways with his longtime management company, First Round Management. For folks who may not know, those are the Cobble brothers, Melky and Abe. They represent a number of other clients, Jorge Masvidal, Mike Perry. I think they represent Tyron Woodley still. Um, the Pettis brothers, you know, he goes sort of on and on from there. Um, and PVZ, of course they represent- Luke. Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van okay. Zandt. They also represent, it should be noted, you have to get a license to be a agent in the NFL. Mulkey Kala has one, and he does represent um, several NFL clients as well. It should be noted. Anyway, John Jones had been with them for 11 years. And BC, if I had to ask you about the last 11 years of John Jones's career, you know the story. It is filled with incredible highs, no doubt about it. And it is filled with some punctuated lows, man. Some jumpsuits, some Bentleys wrapped around telephone poles, some DUIs, some drug test failures. And it all came apart here. Um, I've did, I made some calls behind the scenes. So I have, I think, a little bit of information to share. Maybe not a whole lot. But for you first, I feel like, BC, you don't see fighters of this stature just leave a management company when they still have some big fights left in their career. It's very rare to yeah, see that like kind a Tony Ferguson. You, you see sometimes a Tony Ferguson type fighter do that, but not somebody who's a a pillar power player in the industry, and certainly not somebody who, like you said, when you look back at John's run with the Kawas, I mean, there was the Nike deal. There was so many ridiculous highs, and obviously uh, some you know major <laughs> major scandals and, and issues that they've had to help pull him out of. So this is big time news. John's thirty three. He's about to make the move to heavyweight. You, you can certainly assume. There could be a very bright and exciting second chapter coming of big fights to his career. So this is going to be interesting landscape-wise, especially coming off of the breakdowns of the discussions for him to make, you know, superstar millions that we rarely ever see in the in the sport of MMA to take the toughest challenge of his career against acting heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou and acting like a like a badass, acting like a killer. So pay that man his money indeed. So the timing is interesting to see. Can John find greener pastures on the other side and maybe somebody a little bit more, I don't know, because I don't know the inside. I want to say somebody a little bit more connected or aggressive. I don't know, you know, what has been going on. It's the one thing we don't see uh you know the 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 sausage being made at the at the negotiation table, but Luke, you know we look at NASCAR for the people that follow it as sort of like they have these power team structures, and you know to some smaller degree MMA has that with these giant um, you know management promotional things. You know sometimes they'll fight each other, but there's times you see like a like an Usman and in and uh, Habib say, look, we're both under uh, Ali, we're not going to fight each other, we're friends. So it, it, it's going to be interesting which of these power players. Whether it's Ali, whether it's, you know, Adi, whoever, can jump right in and and not only get John, who's got a lot of juice left, but maybe take him to the kind of deal to face Nganu that he's looking for that maybe could 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 make a change in the industry, too, for the super elites, Luke. So you're the one, though, that's been a little bit more connected. So I'm interested to hear how you how you could frame what this means for him and, and maybe even the sport moving forward. Yeah, well, understand, I've not spoken to John, who, you know... Well, he don't talk to you, Luke, okay? <laughs> he doesn't like you very much. I don't know yeah, if you were he there doesn't. for that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't like me very much. He doesn't like a lot of people very much, to be quite candid. But So certainly, whatever is the he truth... He likes Boo Boo Wild Thing, I'll tell you that much, brother. Wow. Yeah, but that ain't, that, ain't your, that ain't your phone number that comes up on him, his phone that looks like that. But my point is this. 
obviously John has a side to be told here and we're going to need to hear it and that's going to complete the picture and I want to be very clear about that. Anything I tell you is not in concert with what John has to say about it. It's, it's people outside of, of him. But from making a few phone calls, here, here was my understanding of things. Um, first of all, this actually does set up first round management, I think, a little bit well. In the following senses, losing John as a client is probably not awesome. Uh, but there's a couple of things to be noted about that. First thing I'd say is it sets up the Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou fight for them without much controversy because now if John can't get the deal or whatever happens, they've got Derek on standby. My understanding is that fight is not signed, they have not, you know, uh, formally agreed to terms about that, although, you know, Dana has sort of pinpointed Derek. But now there's no conflict because John and Derek Lewis were both represented by first-round management. Now Derek is sort of sitting in the cap seat because John has kind of set this fight up, and then he can probably take it for a decent amount of money. I guess we'll have to see what the details look like. The other part, though, that I found more interesting, this is what I just did not realize. Um, I, my, my understanding, and again, we would need John's side of the story here, but my understanding is the relationship between John and uh, the management company had been slowly deteriorating for some time and that he was actively negotiating for this Francis Ngannou fight on his own. Uh, now, he may have had advisors outside of first-round management that may have been guiding him, but my understanding was that they were working perhaps with, I think, some of his endorsement deals or uh, you know other parts of his business affairs but that John had increasingly been exerting control over how that goes and um and you know negotiating in public and whatnot these are again my understanding is that those are calls that John Jones made on his own behalf now you can like those things or you can dislike those things but here's the question that it raises which is now that he's no longer part of that and again I don't my understanding was first round management did not do any negotiating on behalf of John for the Nganu fight, John wanted to do that on his own. Does he stay on his own? Does he go to Audi Attar, who's like kind of inside the combat sports space, but a little bit outside of it? Does he go to CAA, who is at odds with WME? Does WME sign him? Does he does he stay on his own, BC? Because really, you have to ask, or does he go to Dominance MMA, by the way? I I think Ali's signing him, you know, I, I know that there's mutual interest there. Like, uh, that's not out of the question either. The question you have to ask yourself is, which one of those paths gets John to where John wants to be? And the answer is, I don't really know. I don't think it's CAA. I don't think WME is going to do it. Audi Attar is interesting. I think Ali Abdelaziz is an interesting choice. I think going it alone is an interesting choice. And I have to tell you, I think those are the probable three. I don't think he goes outside, like find some sports agent who's not working in the combat. I mean, maybe Gary V or something like that with his new agency. That's a possibility. But I'd be curious to what you what you what you make of what I'd been told from a few different people. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, as a sort of a layman's response from what you sort of read from the tea leaves, it's like could he go to Ali, who seems to be the connected bulldog of the moment, who's getting his fighters time after time, consistent, huge things, right? Or could he go to Audi, to your point, who's got, you know, Connor and Pacquiao and, and, and can do uh, some of these straddling things into other sports or other ventures? I'm not really sure, Luke. I, I just think that it could have a ripple effect on, on the 
this this sort of stance we're at, right, we're, with fighters on the super elite level and fighters across the board, but certainly fighters on the super elite level, you know, not getting the pay that they deserve, which is why this whole Jake Paul conversation, which, you know, we're even going to have a conversation today about it because it just don't stop. It's why that is actually relevant at the moment, why you can go to those places to make stupid money and not in your own profession. So I wonder if there's long-term effects there. I have no way to really guess where John is going. I do look at, you know, it feels like in some ways, you know, John kind of made the, the Kawa brothers and in some ways they kind of made him and it was a fruitful relationship. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't imagine him without them by, by their side. In fact, Luke, where do you think the Kawa brothers rank uh, in terms of uh, brotherly MMA influentialness in MMA history at, you know, after the Fertitas and Diaz's, but ahead of the Millers? <laughs> Is that where you're going with this? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know exactly where they would rank in that sense. I will say that, like, look, man, anytime a relationship deteriorates, um, both sides probably have something to contribute to that. You know, uh, I will say, obviously, the greatest fighter in the world you're going to make some allowances for, you know? So, like, when he... Dude, I was there at that UFC 200 presser when he had tested oh, yeah. positive before the Cormier... What was supposed to be the Cormier, I guess, rematch at that point. They brought in that lady, the fixer. They brought in the damn fixer, Luke. Dude, and it was a whole shit show. You know, those guys stuck by him through some pretty bottom times. At the same time, though, you know, listen. Um, if the Again, if the relationship deteriorates, I think all the parties probably have some in-the-mirror gazing to do. The one other detail I didn't mention that I do think might be kind of relevant here is, you know, whether he goes to Audi, uh, Audi Atar, I, I, if I mispronounce his name, I apologize. Or if he goes to Ali, whichever way he goes, he might end up getting um, a somewhat better deal than what he was actively negotiating for on his own. Again, under the FRM umbrella, but again, my understanding is pretty clearly they were not negotiating on his behalf for that fight, that, that he was doing that by himself. Um, so could they probably get him a little bit closer than maybe that effort w- was going to get him? Maybe. I mean, there might be something to be said for that, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. Remember, UFC is going to stay within that 18 to 20% pay overall of their revenue structure. They're not going to really change that for a whole lot, first things first. And I think, secondly, apparently what part of what's driving a hard bargain here is, um, and I've not spoken to UFC about this, but when you talk to folks who, who are somewhat familiar with this situation, the thing that comes across is the UFC does believe that John is the best of all time. And that he is a solid A-side that they have for themselves. But that his draw is highly contingent upon the matchup. Um, you know, fight over fight, it's around four, maybe 500, which is, again, very, very good. But not like, doesn't blow the doors off. And with all the other pieces that they have in play, including all that contracted revenue, I just don't know how motivated they are to really come up off their pockets to fix stuff. When I say fix, I mean, you know, to make the fight happen, to, to get it right. So... There's a couple of factors for John, I think, that are working not just against him, but against any fighter who would be in a kind of similar, similar kind of position by being an A side, which is that yeah, they might you know you might find maybe the Ali arrangement, maybe the Atar arrangement, maybe these will fix things for him a little bit, but in general, I I don't see 
a big revolutionary change happening no matter what path he decides to take. Although, obviously, I hope that everyone gets something out of it if that's what, if that's what they yeah, deserve. Yeah, and I think you know? it's, you know, that's always the fair comeback when you and I come on here and say, you know, pay John. Look what he's accomplished, you know. Pay him to fight in Ghana. Let's get these guys what they deserve. You know, the comeback is what you said. It depends on the matchup. He's been a consistent pay-per-view draw, but not Connor, Lesnar, Rousey sort of figures, uh, you know, time and again, which leads me to sort of say this. It's like, yeah, Dana can always sort of say you know, what could have been with John and, and, and all this stuff, but they've also gone to bat and protected him a lot of ways. I mean, he got out of that USADA thing in ways that we didn't think possible. They moved the card from, you know, Vegas to LA that time for the Gustafson rematch. So they've certainly stood by him. But I wonder, Luke, is are the days over where UFC brass has the type of emotional relationships with its top fighters that, you know, they say not to do in business, but we saw that from that first generation of those guys who helped, Zufa get over that hump, right? The, the, the Stefan Bonner, Forrest Griffins, Matt Hughes's, you know, Chuck Liddell's, they were given, you know, lifetime jobs for a while until the, 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 uh, the sell, the sale in 2016. They were sort of just always given full on protection, love, you're our heroes forever. We've, that sort seemed to end with that generation. Like, okay, they were with Connor and ride or die when he was their ultimate meal ticket for sure. But we've seen Dana and Connor go at it a little bit. Maybe you could say Rousey because of the special nature of her being the female pioneer and she was very sort of pro-company, whatever they want, she'll do it and she'll, you know, let them help her to get to the top. That she was beloved in a way that you don't normally see. But we don't see anymore Dana having those one-on-one relationships like he had with, with Chuck Liddell, where, where you're going to go out of your way to over-the-top protect these people. And maybe that's how it should be between promoter and fighter to a certain degree. For, for yeah, it probably should. Fans. But again, every time we, you know, we bring these things up where we say, like, oh, UFC doesn't believe that John can sell you know, more than four or 500,000, which, again, is still pretty good. And you know, right matchup is there, you can probably get a million or more, but that would take a very, very special matchup or whatever the case. And maybe you want to make that argument that Francis is that fight. Either way, the point is this. It's not... They they take that as like the UFC's framing of it as the general framing of it. Understand something. If John is selling 500,000, you could still give him a raise commensurate with the kinds of things we think that he wants. And I'm told it's somewhere in the 15 million range. And they could still make a profit. Yes. Right? The yes, idea they is could. they couldn't yes, they make could. a profit on the profit margins that they currently enjoy, but they could still make money. So I want to be very clear about this. That's just the UFC's framing of it. That's not the framing of it. And in my framing of that last point was, you know, if John had been a little bit more Liddellian in his history of commitment to the brand and all that, maybe they just throw the money at him and we don't have this public scandal, right? That's right. I mean, again, this this is one of the situations where it's like, dude, does does John deserve to make? And I and I got to tell you, I do think that this is personal speculation. This is not from any conversation that I had. I do think that the UFC might be looking at him and saying, we're not sure he's done, but the last few performances might indicate that he's not exactly what he once was, and we want to see kind of what we got before we pay for it, kind of a thing. There could be that a little bit too. I wanted um, to close by essentially touching on exactly what you just said and saying, Luke, what's interesting is while I had been on the side of the fence the last few years, it's like whenever John makes the move, and by the way, I don't think 33 is too late to make the move to heavyweight. We it's know not. No, how no, heavyweight's age. Kumaru's that, you know, 33. That I think he'll be incredible and the best. And I think, you know, Nganu coming in and taking over and being such a 
absurd freak of nature certainly clouds that belief. Like, I now need to see Nganu Jones to really know who's going to win and what it's going to look like. And again, that just fuels my interest and in why I think it'll be a monster pay-per-view. But we really don't actually know what John's future looks like. Not just because of the history of outside the cage stuff. Not just because, you know, if he goes out there in a heavyweight debut and gets knocked out. What does he do? Does he go back to 205 and can he be the same fighter? Does he retool that heavyweight? Does he walk away for good? Like, we have no idea. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to always sound ignorant when I'm just like, pay the fighter, pay him, look what he accomplished. And it's like, obviously, I know John also caused a lot of headaches. Obviously, I know UFC has enjoyed a certain level of profit margins to take this business to new levels. But uh, I do wonder. I mean, it could go really good for John where he can survive and outpoint Ngannou and, and keep beating big names and, and really cement the GOAT conversation so we never have it again. Or I wonder, Luke, I mean, are his crazy times behind him? You have no idea moving forward, so I'm sure that, to your point, that is a big part of UFC's reticence in this, in this position. Yeah, I, I, again, this, here's my prediction on this, and the, you know, take that for what it's worth, which is not much. I know that at least pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, there was mutual interest between Jones and um, Dominance MMA. I don't think it ever went anywhere because he was under contract, but I know that there was probably some some interest there. Where things stand now, I don't know. But if I had to guess, he probably signs with Audiotar, who they may have zero interest, I don't know, or Ali. Uh, I do think he could sign with him. And that they make the Francis fight happen probably marginally better than what he would have gotten by doing this on his own. You know, so, something I think that's probably your most likely outcome because structurally, th- what John is doing is interesting to raise awareness, but it's not interesting in the sense of being an actual catalyst for change. There's only so much another party can do. It'll probably end up like we think it's going to end up. Just we'll see where exactly it all falls and, Just and what to, it looks like in the to end. Fill this picture out perfectly. Do you know who Ngannou is represented by? I do not. I do not. I've not dealt with his management. I don't know. Because it's always interesting, just like any big-time agent in broadcasting who can get his clients big money by leveraging others, I wonder how much that comes into play when you look at somebody, just for example, like an Ali who is having such high-level success. I mean, Vittori's now getting a title fight. You know, I wonder how much that leveraging across the board plays a factor. We'll have to see. It's an interesting scenario. All right. Topic number two. Uh, This is an interesting one that our producer brought up. Matchmaking at welterweight. So here's who we have uh, as top 10 fighters who are not booked. Not booked right now. Some of this you will understand because they just fought, but technically they fit the bill. Usman, Covington, Masvidal, but here's where it gets interesting. Luke doesn't have a fight booked. Michael Chiesa doesn't have a fight booked. Neither does Neil Magny and neither does Jeff Neal. Obviously, Kamzat Chemaev isn't technically a top 10 fighter. Certainly a wild card you could throw into that space. Now, we do have Burns. Can you mention the accident that seemed to just break on TMZ before the show that Hamzat Chemaev reportedly wrecked a car that was given to him by Kadriov? Did you see this report? I'm not making it up. Yeah, I know. He wrecked his car. To me, I don't care. Okay. I I never know with you, Luke. That's why we have segments like the Wheel of Death because I, to me, Mike Tyson versus Uh, Lennox. Why would I care about a star? uh, Uh, We'll talk about it. You know. Why would I care about it? Why would I care about a story where a guy partially wrecks his Mercedes? It's like who cares? Well, because your boy gave it to him, and you always like talking about that guy. But you know, I can't read your mind, Luke. I I don't know what it'd be like to be married. Okay. So let me just make it clear. I don't find it to be a very important story. For now, we're married. For now. All right. It's Ron. Burns Thompson. Typically. 
Burns Thompson is booked on, I think, for July or something like that, but later on. Edwards Diaz is booked for 262. And then I think you have Maya Muhammad that's going to be on the, um, on the docket. So here's what Masvidal told ESPN talking about Nick Diaz. Quote, uh, Nick is a stud. If Nick wants to throw down, I'm more than willing to throw down. Like I said, I'm going to do it on my time. I'm not taking short notice fights no matter who it is. I'm, going to, I'm not going to do that right now. But if Nick does want to fight towards the end of the year, what can I say? I'm here. I'll definitely fight again this year. Masvidal continued. I've got to fight this year. I want to. If it wasn't for this suspension and this knockout, I would have been fighting three or four times this year. It's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to compete a lot. I still want to compete a lot this year. Uh, but obviously the circumstances. So if I can just get at least one more fight this year, I'll be happy. If I could pull two, which is doubtful, that would be cool. All right. Let's matchmake here a little bit, BC. You heard the names. Usman, Covington, Masvidal, Luke, Kiesa, Magni, Neil, Chachamayev, blah, blah, blah. Let's match make here. All right, let's start off. This is very easy. Let's start off the top. Kamaru Usman, who, by the way, debuted today as number one on my CBS Sports uh, MMA pound-for-pound rankings, Luke, and I I stand by that. You got anything to say about it? You got anything to say? Say to my face. Uh, I don't care. Your boys at ESPN did the same for if that for what it's worth. All right, look, Usman Covington will be next unless one of them gets injured. It makes sense. Dana loves it more than anything. It's happening. Take those two off the board, Luke. And look, Covington. Uh, he, it's not like he doesn't deserve it, right? I mean, it just to me, it makes sense. It's happening, okay? But Masvidal is the interesting other sort of outlier that I think we have to remove from this. Luke, his days competing for the UFC title at what's waiter over. He got a second chance. He, you know, in a lot of ways, didn't deserve because of his stardom. And, dude, he got sent to hell, right? It's over now. He's 36. It's celebrity fight time. I don't think it makes any sense for him to fight anybody in the top 10 right now unless it is specifically about a theme, meaning, oh, you punched Leon Edwards backstage and you have no elsewhere to go? Okay, we can make that one. Or, oh, Covington's coming off of a loss and you guys are, you know, are ex-teammates who hate each other? Okay, we can make that one. I think what where Masvidal goes right now is outside of the top 10 into essentially BMF land. Dana White would never come back, Luke, and bring back the BMF title and announce a BMF tournament. But in, a, in an unofficial way, that's sort of where they should go. Jorge bringing up Nick Diaz, I was like, yeah, that, that fits the script. Let's freaking book that. I beat your brother, and there's still an opening down the road if they want to do Nate uh, Jorge 2 because of the... All, you know, unfinished business with the stoppage, whatever. But it, you know, it connects the dots storyline wise. If you're UFC, why would you throw Nick Diaz at Hamza Chamaya for him just to get chewed out, chewed up, and spit out? Make Jorge versus Nick Diaz. It's a pay per view main event. The fans would go nuts, and it shines Jorge back up. And the reason why I said Luke that that could create sort of a de facto BMF tournament is because. The odds are that Connor's not going to beat Dustin Poiwiwe in the third one July 10th. He might, Luke, right? He might, and if he does, he'll probably face the winner of Chandler Oliveira for the damn belt, but he's probably not. So where would Connor go from there? Oh, I know. The Nate Trilogy and a super fight against Jorge. So it kind of makes sense to put all those guys out on the side and sort of just create these marketable BMF matchups to get what is left of them. And let's get back to the damn top 10, Luke. Where do we go from there? Uh, Okay, so from there, I like your call, by the way. I agree with it. I would go, man, I think you got to go Luke versus Chiesa, don't you? Yes, and that's a good-ass fight. 
good fight. That's a great fight. And honestly, the winner of that, you're you're not far from a title shot at that point. I'm not sure exactly where it would put you, but you're not far away. Now, if Leon Edwards wins, obviously he's going to jump that queue pretty pretty cleanly. If Diaz wins, you could do Diaz versus what would you do? Diaz versus Kiesa? I don't think I don't think he would take that fight, would he? If Diaz loses to Leon Edwards, what do you do with Nate Diaz? That's a big question. You're right because if Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, Luke, let's let's talk this this out fairly. He would get the next title shot after Covington. He would. And, that, you know and by it. the way, that fight is what next month. It's right around the corner. Yeah. No, but you're, I'm not wrong there. If Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, which he shouldn't beat him, but if he does. That's his last like monster non-Connor fight right there, or or maybe he could get a Masvidal rematch. But if he doesn't win, Luke, Nate's out of this picture. I think this is Leon Edwards' last setup. You beat Nate Diaz, you get the next title shot after Covington does. So okay. Usman's future, Luke, is Covington. It's Edwards if he wins after that. It's maybe whoever comes out of the Kiesa, Luke, Jeff Neal sort of, you know, pocket of next level guys that are ranked i know jeff neal's not as hot at the moment as he was before but you get my point i just have a question surrounding connor and those tweets we addressed on monday luke if connor doesn't beat dustin but looks pretty damn good in defeat let's say they do a five round action fight and it's great dustin wins okay would the ufc really put him into a fight with kamaru just to cash in like Chael Sonnen getting the John Jones fight when it made no sense to anyone after losing the second Anderson Silva fight, Luke. That was 1,000% UFC gone. All right, let's just throw the cash register at him, right? Like, let's just cash this shit in. No one thought Chael was going to win. Probably not even Chael. The fight went exactly as you thought. Are we legitimately, would the UFC do that? Yes or no? But barring Conor getting knocked out and the, the brand just sinking, if he looks okay and he says, screw it, I'm moving up to 170. That's where the big players are anyway. Would he go right to the top and fight Kamaru? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, dude. Because that affects this conversation in big ways. It really does. Dude, Kamaru, I mean, do you not agree? Like, absent any kind of consideration related to what being a celebrity or a high-priced draw does for you. And I realize that that's very important, but just for the moment, absent that conversation... Tell me you you don't like Kamaru would do evil things to Connor. You, yeah. you agree with that? I right? mean, even if he just even if he announced ahead of time, I'm going to wrestle this guy for five rounds. Like you know, whether he does that or he says I'm going to try to slip him and mix it up, he's going to dominate him. Right. So you know, if Khabib could do what he did, and Khabib's very different, but you know, some of the things he was able to do, Kamaru's going to be able to build on that in times a thousand. I mean, it's a horrible fight for him. And I, I here's what I think. I, I I think if you were to even have that conversation, he not only has to win against Poirier, he's got to look like the Connor that beat him the first time. You know, something where it's just not even close. See, you I just think it's more likely you're better. So you're saying it's more likely Connor gets the Usman fight if he beats Poirier in this non-title trilogy. I think it's the opposite. I think if he loses but looks competent, looks sellable. No, no, I don't think it either. It, listen, if he beats Poirier. And does it convincingly. At that point, he'll be so close to a lightweight title shot that I don't think anything would change. And so in that sense, your argument is probably correct. But here's my point. Dude, if you don't look good enough against Dustin Poirier, striking or grappling, doesn't matter. Kamara Usman is going to 
eat you alive. Yeah. <laughs> that is a horrible fight. Yes, a Luke, really but that didn't one. stop them from throwing Ch- Chael at John Jones in a weight Chael class he didn't dis- belong Chael in. Was, Chael was dispensable in a way that Connor is not, which isn't to say that they can't book Connor in tough fights. Hello, Poirier is a tough fight. But there is a, there's a point at which you're like, dude, why are we doing this? Like the, the amount of damage, like, like two, two, thing, two things to consider. Number one, you put him against a guy as big and strong and talented as Usman, not only will he almost certainly lose, there's actually a decent chance he might suffer some horrible consequences to his health as a result. You really want to risk that? Uh, well, you said you just said, why would they do this, Luke? I'll tell you why. Because if Usman beats Covington, and that means four of his last five fights are two against Covington and two against Masvidal, he's the pound-for-pound pound number one. He's the new Habib. Usman is the new Habib. And if they see that Connor now has losses, what, three in his last four fights, he's going in the wrong direction, we could give him Nate no matter what. I mean, Nate versus Connor, three sells whether both are coming off three-fight losing streaks, right? They can give him Jorge in a grudge match no matter what. Wouldn't you, if you're UFC and Endeavor and Disney and you're thinking only about money, go... Well, we could give him to Usman to make Usman our, our new Habib and our you know second biggest star. You're damn right they'd do that. Get your head out of your ass, Thomas. No. You're just inventing permutations that sound nice for I'm podcasts the like this that don't really have any relationship to the real world. I will permutate your entire family, whatever that word means, Luke. <laughs> it, there's, they're not, this is a silly conversation. They're not going to do Not Not right, anytime back, soon. All right, if back things, to the top ten. If things dramatically change... After that Poirier fight, which is possible but unlikely, and I do mean dramatically, then and only then can you begin to revisit that. But as it stands today, we are nowhere close. Not not even on the same ball. But by the way, here's the real conversation. I like Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal a whole hell of a lot than I like Nick Diaz versus Kamzat Shemaya. We haven't even talked about that part. What would what what's a better fight for you? Masvidal Diaz or Chimaev Diaz? And then explain why. You're talking about Nick? Yeah. Yes, Nick. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. It's not the a good fight. With, I know. You like Hamza the fight Chimaev. with No, he's yeah. going to chew him up and spit him out. Nick Diaz has not fought in forever. You need see, to okay. put him in a celebrity fight only. And yes, Masvidal would most likely hurt him, but there's that potential for Nick to do Nick things and lay on the ground and do weird shit and just make it an entertainment spectacle. All you're getting with Nick Diaz moving forward, and it may only be one more fight given his weirdness, Luke, is celebrity spectacles okay so go that route don't sacrifice him to the altar of Kamza. in fact leon edwards comes out is that still could happen you know that, that's also i'll say this comes versus magni or comes versus neil i don't know if comes is ready for them but it's a good way to find out yeah you damn <laughs> if right, he wants okay. to jump the queue like careful what you wish for kind of a scenario right i mean his only career losses have been to covid in in kadriov's sports car so he's on he's he's great luke uh, all right. With that in mind, we'll move to topic number three. Not a very hefty one, but worth bringing up for just the sake of completeness, I suppose. TJ Dillashaw was supposed to fight um, Corey Sandhagen, I believe, on this May 8th UFC card, and he is out. Do we have an asset for this one, BC? We should have the picture of the cut. You know, I don't really let's like see. Let's at- see the picture of the cut. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. As you can see, caught a uh, quite the L there with that giant ass cut oh, right over his eye, so they have to delay it. This is this comes to us from uh, let's see, uh, at TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, it comes right directly. I'm sad to say that I had to be pulled from my fight on May 8th. 
due to a cut received from a headbutt while drilling, rescheduling the fight as soon as possible. Um, this was before UFC Vegas 26. The Ariel Hawani from ESPN reporting that the UFC looking at Michelle Waterson and Marina Rodriguez as the front runners to be the new headliners. I guess the good news is, BC, that the cut sucks and it's going to delay May 8th, but it's not so bad that they can't rebook it relatively quickly, right? True, true. And I think for us combat sports fans that are juggling a lot of different fight cards in a short amount of time, that's going up against Canelo. It takes a little bit of the uh, how do I watch all this shit at the same time feeling off. But still, I'd like to see Waterson Rodriguez just the same. And yes, you can do this again soon. I wonder, though, sometimes, you know, you get fights announced, then something happens and a guy falls out. And then one of the guys goes, you know, I don't really know if that was the fight for me overall. Maybe I should go in another direction. Do you think TJ Dillashaw should go in another direction? Or do you think because despite the layoff and suspension, he was a dominant former champion, pound-for-pound pound ranked guy, arguably the best bantamweight of all time. Do you think this is the way to do it? Get right back in there with a guy who, if you beat him, you're going right to the title. Yeah, you got to keep this fight. For the reasons we mentioned, one, the cut is not so devastating that it can't be rebooked in pretty short order. That's the first part. And the second part is the reason why you would want to keep that pairing together is because it solves a lot of problems for you. Corey Sandhagen, you could make the case really deserves a title shot. But as we know, the champion is kind of on ice at the moment, and he has to run that one back with the former champion first things first. So if you're Corey Sanhagen, uh, you want to stay busy to some extent. And also, you still have a little bit of work, maybe, maybe, to do to wash kind of the stink off of the loss to Aljamain Sterling. Now, certainly the Frankie Edgar win was tremendous. The Marais win was tremendous. But let's get somebody, maybe one more hill to climb, right? Like Robert Whitaker beating Kelvin Gastelum. Once you cross that, you're in this land of security, uh, uh, your placement in that division that just nobody could question. And TJ Dillashaw has some questions about him as well, but I really love this fight. Former training partners, um, well-matched. Both guys have a real modern game. Who is going to, what's TJ Dillashaw going to look like at 35 in this division? Can Corey Sanhagen rise to the occasion? So the cut unfortunate it was going to make for a hell of a weekend bc because you would have rumble romero on that friday including archuleta and pettis so a title fight there then on top of it the next day you'd have canelo fighting billy joe saunders and then that same day you would have had dillashaw and uh, sandhagen still yeah. i'll take two out of three ain't bad that's what meatloaf said uh okay all right well, oh, let's get yeah. to topic number four <laughs> I mean, he did. He, he said it, bro. <laughs> I mean, what do we even say at this point? There was a hilarious joke that Derek Brunson had, which I'll tell in a minute, which I thought was very funny. Uh, it's official. Logan Paul, the YouTuber and the gentleman who watched another man hang himself in a tree, a forest in Japan. Oh, how dare you. And then put it on film because that was a very smart decision. Is going to take on Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition boxing contest June 6th at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Gardens Now, BC, there's a lot we still don't know about it. I thought Derek Brunson, shouts to Derek Brunson, he had a hilarious joke about You got to laugh at this a little bit. I'm sorry. You have to. Yes, I work for CBS, but come on. <laughs> silly shit deserves to be called Will silly you, shit. though? Will you after this joke? That's the question. Yeah, I know. Exactly. No, but Derek Brunson made a joke, so everyone settled down. And it was, he was talking about the poster. It was like Mayweather versus Paul and it had their pictures and all, all the information about the fight. And then it had like, do you remember when Mayweather fought um, uh, Mosley? And it was like, who are you picking? That was the theme of the fight. I got fight. that poster right here. Yes, on my wall. Yes. Yeah. The theme of this one, 
And to Derek Brunson's point, I, I'm not sure why. It's called bragging rights. <laughs> bragging rights. Really? Of all the things you could have called it, bragging rights is what you're going to go with. But okay. Well, they'll have bragging they rights with. over who's the most dominant social influencer between them. Because look, that's been a big part of Floyd's game and who he is. Now, look, it is what it is. It's carnival spectacle entertainment. Am I a little bit happier here, Luke, that it is... Um, you know, if it's a retired Floyd who can do what he wants, and if he sees a, an avenue to make some money, sure. Did I try to sell to you that in this space, which we don't always love this space, but in this space, there's a size disadvantage here. And and look, um, the rules haven't ex- specifically been played out. Now, when this was first reported by Mike Coppinger of The Athletic a week ago, Luke, there was some rumblings that the rules were going to be that Logan Paul cannot weigh more than 190 pounds. And mind you, he's like six foot two. He weighed 199 and a half in his only pro fight up to this point when he lost a split decision to KSI, the fellow influencer, uh, YouTuber and singer or whatever. And that Floyd cannot weigh above 160. Now, that doesn't really matter because Floyd highest career weight was like 151 and a half. But uh, Dan Rayfield of Fight Freaks United has has come out and said that may not be what they end up with the rules. So we're not sure the exact rules here, but what we do know is what we kind of already knew because this fight was originally supposed to take place in February, that we're going to see it, that it's probably going to do very well. There's just some interesting elements here, Luke. They're going Sunday, February, uh, excuse me, Sunday, June uh, 6th. Sixth. Sixth. Thank you. I had a near seizure there. Sunday, June 6th. So that'll be the night after, Luke, the Triller pay-per-view, which features um, Evander Holyfield, Kevin McBride in the co-main event, and uh, Teofimo Lopez Jr. and George huh. Camboso. So That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Be, isn't, that wait, isn't that fight also in, in Florida? Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. So they're both going to be in Florida. I mean, look, you can, you and I could go to those back-to-back for all I know. I don't know. Um, they'll both be well, in Florida. I don't know if Showtime's going to be hiring me for any of their coverage. <laughs> For this particular bout, we'll have to see. But uh, but look, and, and the other part of it is uh, Logan Paul is in danger of becoming Frank Stallone here. This was the original like famous uh, you know rowdy YouTuber totally. who was coming over to boxing, and we were like, oh, by the way, he also has a brother who fought on the undercard too. And now Jake Paul is a guy that we tend to talk about now every episode, and that's for good reason. I wonder if this gives Logan Paul a chance to remind everybody which brother he is, almost like a Nick and Nate situation. Only, Luke, it's going to be hard for him to win this fight. I mean, it's going to be really, 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 really freaking hard. But if you are anti-YouTube, anti-Jake Paul, and you want to watch an aging old great champion of Mayweather, probably put put the bricks to him. Uh, you know, this one's for you. And, Luke, I'm... I'm I'm. I'm gonna. Uh, look, I, I, how about the co-main event, right? How about uh, the rematch? The ba- Badu Jack against Jean Pascal. The rematch that was a brawl the first time. Okay, that's All right. the rumor I'm, I'm going in favor of that. There. I like that. I've heard some other rumors of of support fights that are pretty damn good. So uh, it seems, Luke, we don't know. Maybe this will be a little bit more boxing oriented than some of the. Was well, uh, this is what we said the last time? We see, didn't we? Like. Triller is outside of the traditional boxing institution powers, and that's part of their charm if you like them, which is we're outside, we're rebels, we're changing things up. Showtime is very much part of that institution and the firmament of boxing. It will be curious to see how they treat a fight that is an exhibition that is silly, let's just call it what it is, and uh, how, they, how they manage that. I don't, I don't know what their plans are, obviously. Do you think that there is any way... I, I don't. I don't want to ask you. Do you think there's any way Floyd loses? I mean, is there any way Floyd loses this whole event? Is there any way that Floyd doesn't come out of here richer, cooler, 
more connected to a younger audience. I mean, this is just like playbook 101 of the of the Floyd financial and mainstream yeah. dominance, right? I got to tell you, Floyd Mayweather convincing people that he has not no chance, but that there's this is a great time to pick against him only for Floyd to come out <laughs> and stomp on those people and make them lose all their money. I have seen that movie a hundred thousand times. It is very unwise to bet against Floyd Mayweather, you know, and I, I don't mean just in a fight, but like in finding ways to just make whatever he's doing work for him. He has shown a unique ability to, to do that quite carefully and quite well over time. So um, I would not be picking the Paul brother here in an exhibition contest or any other kind that Floyd Mayweather has entered into. We need to get Floyd on morning combat. That's a, that's, we? A, that's a relationship that has yet to consummate. All right. No, I got to tell you, though, it's funny about the Frank Stallone thing. I had, I thought Jake Paul was like, I don't know, like the Mark to Matt Hughes, you know? Like he was around. You knew who he was. They kind of looked the same, but not exactly. But, you know, riffraff, you can just ignore. Boy, the tables have turned dramatically, have they not? It is amazing that Jake has so rapidly eclipsed his brother, at least for the moment of the, of the modern news cycle, um, with what he's been able to do. So let's switch over gears to that if we well, can. Well, hold on, real quick. In your household, your brother, the, the former restaurant owner, the, the doctorate of education, which one of you is the Jake and which one of you is the Logan? Uh, I'm definitely the Jake. <laughs> um, you know, a bit more of an idiot, uh, a little bit louder and more annoying, for sure. And uh, by the way, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a education, it's mathematics. PhD uh, that's a, that falls under ed education where I come from, Luke. Okay, you know yeah. we we have very generic terms for our you know we we um, studied math. So we, yeah, we he would be he would be the Logan Paul for sure, for okay. sure, no doubt about it. All right, well, well, well quick prediction because this is look we're talking it's official it's happening. Set pay per view buys, Floyd Logan. Predict so that's it, the Luke. thing. What what is predict what is Showtime going to charge for a Sunday pay per view with the retired? old floyd and a youtuber i i don't know i don't know what they're going to charge for that do you think this is a power move from floyd to say i see what you're doing triller but i was already you know in talks with logan and i'm going to one-up you by doing this the night after same state and i'll prove to you that people are going to buy me over you know the teofimo card yeah dude because teofimo we love him and i'll watch him box 10 times out of 10 even though he's going to run over his opponent um in june but Dude, he's not the draw Floyd is. He definitely ain't the draw that Logan Paul is. Whether you, you know, not, and we understand that the what, the what the reasons are for that. But uh, yeah, they're gonna get they're gonna get drummed out because I got to tell you the, the amount of interest I've seen in Evander Holyfield and Kevin McBride. You know, I've seen people more enthusiastic for their DoorDash deliveries to arrive than they have for the announcement of that one. So, just a reminder, though, like. This ain't Ben Askren. This is Floyd Mayweather. Like, could Floyd and Logan do two million pay-per-view buys? No. Nah. Uh, with the right price point and the right promotion, maybe. I doubt it. I doubt okay. it. But, I'm sure, listen, I don't know what the numbers were for Jake Paul and Ben Askren. I, I tend to think that Dana White is right, that whatever we heard in the public is exaggerated. But I also probably feel like it did, it did a high number. Like they, we, they don't, they're not going to make money on that show because of how much they spent. But like, did it sell a lot? Yes, I absolutely believe that it sold a lot, and I think this one will sell a lot too. And they're a lot of donks the out pirates. there, BC. A lot of donks.
They're coming after the Pirates right now. You see that? They're taking lawsuits. They're going Dana White style. I saw that. $100 million they're claiming in losses. We'll see what they can get any of that back. All right. Now we go from one Paul brother to another Paul brother because this show is totally out of ideas. No, but, that's not it, Luke. That's not it. That's because joke. this is relevant. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. BC, it's a joke. I'm joking. This is actually the point. So Jake Paul spoke to Ariel Hawani. I did not see the interview, but BC did. But we wanted to have a conversation here because this is the most hilarious shit I've ever seen. The crowd at UFC 261 couldn't stop chanting about him. President was asked and talked about him passionately, by the way, at length. Daniel Cormier commentating at the event leaves his seat to go over there. Tyron Woodley threatens to do whatever he's going to do to him. A million other fighters to the point, BC, that the guy in uh, Kamara Usman, who I think Saturday may end up serving as something of a turning point for him in terms of popular appeal and how much people know and understand who he is. I mean, that was a star-making performance he turned in against Jorge Masvidal. Even that guy is calling out Jake Paul. Now, Jake Paul says, I accept, and then the whole thing fell apart because he's like, ah, I'm not going to do all this shit. But even the fucking guy who has no business dealing with the Jake Pauls of the world, whatever they're celebrity or not, even that guy is talking about him. BC, it is incontestable. Jake Paul is the biggest star and owns MMA in a Dude, way that not is just fucking MMA, shocking. Like it's it, this may surprise some people. It may not. In the last like forty eight hours, he got called out by Cormier Usman, Clarissa Shields, old ass Antonio Tarver, and like three other prominent names. So it's it's wild, Luke, and it's an extension, of course, of the things that we already talked about. But I think the the whole story got a bit escalated in the last twenty four hours with not only him going on uh, Ariel, which I want to address those comments in a second, but also the whole Daniel Cormier thing, Luke, because Cormier again, is like really, really, really pissed off about the fact that Jake Paul put his name in his mouth. And we now, we know that DC not only went in the crowd and, and challenged him and tried to fight him, but I saw some, uh, some uh, I guess, transcribing of whatever Dana, I guess Dana does a show with Ariel uh, on Mondays or something. Um, and I saw Mark Raimondi tweet out some of the uh, transcribing. And here's what Cormier said. Uh, I'm going to torture him. I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to box him. I don't want to fight in a limited skill set of rules. If you really want to fight me, fight me in a mixed martial arts competition. So first of all, Luke, the hell's DC doing? Because on top of that, he then came out in the same sort of thing and said, my name will not be used as a springboard. I love my legacy and will protect my legacy. And protecting my legacy means I got to sleep this, slap this kid upside the head. I'm going to do it. It's, in some ways, it goes back to what we talked about on Monday, where if you're DC and you're retired, accomplished, incredible, all-time Hall of Fame, potential GOAT category athlete who has a great career in broadcasting and is one of the best interviews and nicest guys this sport's ever seen, even if you're doing this to angle toward a celebrity boxing fight, which it appears you're not, you could ask yourself, hey, DC, shouldn't you be better than that? And why are you doing that on the UFC broadcast? And if you're not, and this is about... He hurt your ego? Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? If he hurt your ego, then challenge him to a street fight or or a boxing match, which may be somewhat competitive. But he's like, no, I want to fight you in an MMA cage. Never going to happen. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a little maybe, bit embarrassing. Maybe don't challenge him at all because that's juvenile. Do you know like, the best way to... It's, it's sort of like when somebody who can't fight you 
is talking trash, whether it be like if you're a big tough guy and it's some girl, like you can't fight them, so you gotta kind of just ignore them, Luke, right? Or a, a small child comes up, starts talking, you can't punch the kid, right? You gotta just move on and ignore it. You gotta take the soft L there. I don't get where DC's coming out talking about his legacy is being challenged by a damn Paul brother. So that's that. Then we advance to Jake being on the aerial show. And Luke, I've got to echo what you've been saying. I know there, there are legitimate fight fans and a lot of them who watch our show going, hey guys, if you talk about Jake Paul one more time, we're going to pull out here. Something Luke knows a lot about from college. <laughs> or at least he hopes he does. But here's the deal. Jake Paul nailed it on the Ariel show. It's hard he, not to like really him. He really did. He basically came out and said, look, I knew this would happen. But I didn't think this would happen this quick or the fact that I've got John Jones, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, Dana White, all these people talking to me. I got DC challenging me. And he not only punked DC by basically saying, look, you embarrassed yourself. You could have attacked me and slapped me and you didn't. And number two, I didn't put your name in my mouth. You've been trashing me all over your podcast for weeks before that. And on top of that, Jake's just like, look, I'm a troll. This is a game. They are coming into my game and getting their feelings hurt and getting all caught up, and they're just fueling my game. Look, the best way to make this guy go away is to ignore him, yet MMA in general and most of combat sports cannot stop falling over themselves to get hooked up with him. Now, if you're Floyd Mayweather and you're fighting Logan Paul, again, we thought Conor McGregor was like the great white hope on a white horse who trampled in at the right time of Mayweather's career where he can make stupid money in a fight he can't lose. I mean, Logan Paul's like 10 times that, right? If you're Floyd, I get it. But if you're an active competitor or somebody with a, you know, a, a clear name to protect who's an upstanding citizen and all that, like DC, stop doing this. What are you doing? You're letting him win. You're putting money in his pocket. And on top of that, Luke, Jake Paul told Ariel that he got free tickets from the UFC. They invited him to the show and told jake they'll give him his own private security to protect him in the crowd so this is ufc got what it wanted they wanted that rub they got it but if you're not angling to make a pro wrestling fight with this guy shut shut up seriously shut up because that's all he's into luke this, this is, is the closest we've ever come to putting pro wrestling in legitimate sports and saying okay the end game is a legitimate fight now i know i came on here and said to the Askren Jake Paul fight was that on the up and up? I'm not sure, Luke. But the end game for the most part is looks to be a real thing. But the road to get there, it's all fake pro wrestling bullshit. Now I yeah. just happen to have a diet for that, like I do gas station hot dogs, so I don't, you know, hum is and haw. Is there a point to any of this? No, I just like to fill up time on my own podcast that I'm the co-host of, Luke. Okay. I, listen, you, this you is the only thing I have to add to this. this, this listen, I want to be clear to the audience. This is not us endorsing jake paul this is not us telling you oh now we think he's awesome or we love his shtick or any of that it, i don't think that that's what this is what this is is just a observation that, that this guy has major power players routinely and shockingly in positions of the most elite status consistently every day putting his name in their mouths and in ways you just can't believe. This is the key to understanding Jake Paul. If you don't go along with it, it doesn't work. His shtick only works if you participate in it. And he's got them lining up for volunteer duty. You can't fucking believe it, but it's real. And I got to tell you, BC, 
it is amazing to watch. I don't like his shtick, but this effort, how could you not be fucking amused by this? Dude, I left that Ariel interview actually respecting him for the first time, going like he like he said to Ariel, trolling is like where I come from. I'm an internet troll. I'm a full-time internet troll, and these people are trying to beat me at my own game. I mean, again, you want this guy to go away, stop fucking talking about him, all right? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, you want him to stop showing up on this show? Tell your celebrity fighters like Kamaru Usman, who just ascended the pound-for-pound throne and established himself again as a legitimate pay-per-view buy and one of the best fighters in his division's history. You don't need Jake Paul. Okay, when you're reti- when you're aspirin level washed, you want to do it. That's fine. But does anyone have any like control over their own morality and go? You know what? I'm doing right. I'm doing good right now on my own lane. I don't need to go over to that. You know. Do I you, mean, this is. Do you remember Bloodstain Lane? Oh, b- remember him? Bloodstain Lane is a legend in these parts. <laughs> BSL so, baby. Uh, he he kind of uh, lost his love for MMA and uh, moved on and does other things now. I'm not entirely sure what, but. There was a time when he was a troll inside of MMA. If you guys don't know, it was this guy. He was from, um, I, I think, uh, Ozone Park or Osborne Park. He's in Queens. I forget where in Queens Ozone, he's from, yeah. He's got hands, Luke. He has, he has legitimate Well, hands. he actually had an amateur MMA fight. Yeah, he looked pretty good in it. But the point being is this. He had the gloves on and the machismo and the whole thing going. And he would routinely call out fighters in these videos. And, it, you know, listen, who was he? Okay, he's a very funny person, but... On some level, like you and me, just a guy on the fucking internet. Like he's not, he didn't hold, he wasn't the president of some major organization. He wasn't a celebrated fighter with 50, you know, wins to his name or otherwise famous. Just a guy. And all the fighters routinely bought into his shit. Well, there was one time where like Jackson Wink fighters were making response videos to him. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? Jake Paul took that to the highest level. And it has worked out, to my shocking surprise, I suppose, to the best way it possibly could. I mean, BSL was maybe more realistic than those guys, but, you know, that was early internet. He didn't have the the following that a Jake Paul had. He wasn't trying to take it to millions on pay-per-view. I think he was just having fun and kind of, you know, playing right. off on his pro-wrestling badass side to him. But, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it with Charlie Z in boxing, Charlie Zelenoff, who got even Deontay Wilder to come after him in a, in a quote-unquote fight. But uh, this is just all new levels, Luke. And, you know, at some point you just kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a wild, it's, it's a vice. And maybe the vice, Luke, is free money. Is that the vice? Is that like, because, you know, everyone's got a vice. You can see a well-put-together lawyer who's dominating in business, but then you break out the alcohol and he's a freaking mess and he's selling away his soul. I mean, everybody's got some kind of vice, women, something. Uh, is, is every fighter's vice the idea of the cheap the cheap and easy payday against the, the white guy who can't fight? I mean, I guess this is the ultimate catnip for, for, for every MMA fighter who's active. But once again, like the tweet... Jake had sending Dana to hell uh, that we talked about in Monday's show. Um, he's not telling lies here, all right? <laughs> he's showing you his playbook, and it's working every single time. To Dana White's credit, he didn't respond. To his credit, he did the right thing. All right, moving on from those two zeros, let's go to topic number six here. Uh, this is more a thing of interest to you, not so much to me. So I'll let you have this one, BC, if you'd like it. Uh, BKFC <laughs> signing Rachel Ostevich. And Pearl Gonzalez. Why do you like this, BC? Well, look, it, BKFC is in is in the same spot of some of the, 
you know, let's say the comparison to like, you know, we were talking about PFL, get my attention. Okay, they're starting to get my attention. I think the best thing BKFC can do is keep adding names. In the beginning, it was just like relevant, but older wash names. We saw Malinaji come through, Artem Lobov, you know, whatever. But they're starting to figure out an identity. And I think signing Paige Van Zandt was a big thing there, even though she lost to Britton Hart, but maybe that spawned a, a star-ish that they can build off of. Now they're going off and getting two... You know, uh, female fighters with decent names here in Pearl Gonzalez and Rachel Ostovich with a storyline built in where Ostovich lost to PVZ in the UFC and now wants to make her debut in July against Paige, which would be an interesting sort of comeback fight opportunity. Uh, Rachel's 30 years old. Paige, or Pearl is 34. We'd seen her compete outside the UFC in recent years in MMA. But um, I think the main reason, Luke, why I bring this up is because, you know, Rachel Ostovich has a lot of guts. She's been challenged and tested before outside the cage, if you know what I mean, outside the squared circle. And Luke, she passed that test with flying colors. She's the real. What's the, what are we watching here? Oh, hey, this is the Waianae Cliffs. Uh, this is the Cliffs in Hawaii. Oh, hey, there's Dana White. All right, all right. I mean, Luke, she had the guts to jump off that cliff. All right, so fighting bare knuckle on a big stage. You know, that's nothing to her. Let's see if Dana um, followed. I don't think he's going to make that leap. I, I'm sure they'll wait for him all day, right? They probably got a, like a camera crew there. with a, I mean, the batteries could die eventually, but I'm sure they'll wait there all day until the sun goes down and he never jumped. All right. Well, Luke, sometimes jokes on paper, they, 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 you know, they make me laugh a lot, right? You know, sometimes you got to execute them to see how badly they fall. But, uh, yeah, that's the deal there. No, but seriously, this doesn't interest you at all? No? No. Uh, no. no, not really. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank Is you. that okay? Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Let's talk right-wing politics. Does that interest you, Luke? Well, we can make this quick. But there was something that came up over the week. Uh, yesterday in particular that I just thought was like comical. I cannot believe we're having this conversation. But people in MMA, I've noticed, like to pretend they don't understand things when they know full well they understand things. Or maybe they're, you know, they got hit in the head with an axe handle too many times. But I don't actually think that's the reason. I think they just pretend to not know. So Dana White has been doing a lot of media of late. Not a ton. Um, he did the Candace Owens show. He went on Sean Hannity and some other places as well. But those are the two biggest ones. These are obviously, they cater to an explicitly right-wing audience. But, um, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the point being is, uh, BC, hold on as my phone rings here unacceptably in my effing ear. The, the point is this. During those interviews, they're presented by the host, whether it's Hannity or whether it's uh, Owens, as the UFC is keeping politics out of sport, which I found to be a very weird way to frame that. Now, it is true, BC, that he's keeping left-wing politics out of the <laughs> UFC. Uh, I think that is very true. And by the way, I want to be clear about this. I'm not even sure UFC is wrong for that. Here's yeah, I mean, the deal. No, no, be clear about that because they, 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 what he's saying is we keep it out of the broadcast. We're not hitting you over the head with, with, you know, COVID and with fears and stuff. They're saying this is sports, this is entertainment, right. this is a distraction. We're going to keep it that way. You don't, you can't disagree with that. 
Sure you can. I mean, understand something here. Like the UFC doesn't do national anthems. I think they're right for not doing that. I don't I think it's a distraction. Um, not that that's political per se, but they have a certain way that they want to guide the broadcast and not get certain messages through. But you got to understand something like to say that we uh, what, uh, what happens during our broadcasts, that's only a part of your organizational's inf- uh, organization's influence. Things you do beyond that also matter and send a message number 1. Number 2, Here's the point about the UFC being separate from politics. Yes, Dana White is doing a, a job of removing left-wing influences. So you'll see Black Lives Matter and whatnot on NBA or NFL broadcasts. They are explicitly not doing that. And by the way, I want to say, I, I don't necessarily think that's the wrong thing to do for if you're a UFC. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I think it's the best thing for those organizations, the NBA and the NFL and whoever else does it to be explicitly pushing those messages. Because I have to tell you, even if you agree with those messages, what's going to end up happening is it's going to force other organizations who don't have that same kind of leaning or posture or influence to go the other way where they want to keep that kind of stuff out of it. Or they may promote alternate messages down the line. You just don't know. It ends up costing, I think, this situation where um, you create you create differences and uh, opposition in ways that wouldn't have ordinarily existed but for one person introducing it. So I do think there's something to be said for that. But this is the point I'm just trying to make to folks. It's like, A, if you prohibit frank discussion about the toll that COVID has done uh, to the world, you you are automatically entering the censorious space of trying to influence a discussion in a way that you find more pleasing to you. That is a political decision, whether or not you think it is. It is absolutely one of those things. And yes, they 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 move away from left wing politics, which you may even think is a good thing. But the idea that the UFC doesn't peddle in right wing politics more generally is, is it's absurd. It's absurd to even consider. Understand, you had the president of the UFC going and speaking at two Republican national conventions and not as a private citizen, as someone who directly through those speeches tied the success of his organization to the decisions that the person he was endorsing made, which, by the way, was kind of an overstatement. Then they produced these puff pieces, these propaganda pieces about commander-in-chief or whatever the fuck the name of that thing was, uh, tying their organizational history to, uh, to President Trump. President Trump, at the beginning of a fucking uh, uh, UFC broadcast coming out and endorsing it for reasons that he had political to do in order to push a narrative for re-election. All of this shit is connected. So if you wanted to make the argument that the UFC does a good job of not doing the kind of left-wing advocacy that other sports organizations want want and in fact do, then say that. Then just say that. But to say that there's no politics in there, it's just not true. It's not even well, remotely yeah, true. Yeah, but there's no politics on the broadcast. And I think Dude, that I just told you point. they had Trump ahead of an election endorsing the UFC getting back to events because that was directly in his interest. He didn't need to be there. They made those choices. Okay, but was those that ever on political. the broadcast? Just, just for f- full disclosure, was that ever on the broadcast? Yes. Yes, that went on on national television. Yes. On yes. a UFC broadcast, they talk yes. politics. Yes, yes, I don't remember that. But what I will say, you don't about remember it, President was, Trump being like, "It's good to have events back." Well, here's what I want to say about this, and I I tried to watch part of that Candace Owens interview, and it was a little bit too, you know, puff piece, you know, hero stuff. But here's the deal on this: like, there's a lot of things I did resonate with Dana, where he said, "Look, they want to keep it 
distraction free. This is entertainment. This is an escape. It's sports. It's not that serious at the end of the day. I mean, it's, the fights are serious, but you get my point. I respect that. I, I mean, what they do outside, whether Dana shows up at the Republican National Convention or not or whatever, I mean, that that is to a certain degree his personal side. The broadcast, I Somewhat, don't see yes. a ton of it. And more than that, I really stand by Dana for what he does for the fighters from the standpoint, and he talked about this in the Owens interview, of giving them the platform to do and say whatever the hell they want. So he said, look, we got people that come out and, and support you know, Black Lives Matter and make that part of their post-fight interview. And that he goes, that's fine. We got people that come out like Colby wearing a red MAGA hat. That's but dude, fine. You know that's not true either. When they went well, to China, when they went to China, they airbrushed the pro uh, Buddhist tattoo uh, off the body of Dan Hardy on the poster. When well, when uh, Edmund Shabazian had a flag, also when Edmund Shabazian had a flag in support of the Azerbaijani Armenian conflict on the Armenian side, they they lost their shit about that. They won't allow that anymore. This idea that like they can say whatever they want. No, the fuck they can't. No, they, do, no, they, they cannot. That is absolutely not true. You you think they that the fighters are tied down to some degree of what they can and cannot say? I think this. I think in listen. I don't think they police the, that. This is this is the problem with this conversation. The problem is that everyone wants to give the UFC credit for absolutes. You just cannot. So if the idea is that the UFC provides a significant degree of latitude for most domestic political concerns or, or just viewpoints that they want to air. Does the UFC do a good job of providing latitude? Yes. Do they let fighters, however, say whatever they want? No, the fuck they do not. They absolutely do not do that. That is not true. And you have to understand the differences between them. I don't see a lot of policing to that, though. I mean, there's times when UFC fighters will get in certain arguments and will say, hey, maybe that went too far. And UFC sort of like, you know, you know, they, it's yes. a fight. They're, they're do they provide significant latitude? Then just say that. Just well, say the they provide significant latitude. Is this Luke? I don't. I don't. I don't try. Try not to talk politics in my real life, and I certainly try to talk politics on this show. And uh, we'll you know, be and quick I, about it. And I, uh, if Dana White had a different political leaning and, and background and perspective on everything that's happened over the past year, would it be better or worse for all of us? I'm glad, dude. I'm, I'm glad. happy he took those chances. I'm happy listen, he went in that direction I, at the end of the I'm, day. I'm glad, honestly. I do think that. Listen, I'm not a black person. I'm not a rich young black athlete on a team that may want to feel that we want to use our voice for advocacy. I think the NBA has to deal with a very different set of problems than the UFC does. But I generally do believe that the more we force in these conversations around basketball games, questions about larger political considerations, I think that, that we're going to go down a path that not everyone's going to be happy about. I, I, I understand that. And again, if you want to say that the UFC is good about keeping out that left-wing advocacy from the broadcast, then just say that. I don't think that's the end of the world. Just fucking say that. But what I don't want to hear is that these are bereft of politics. Understand something. The reason why Sean Hannity and Candace Owens want Dana White on their show is the same reasons that conservatives always want validations. Because in general, we have a very conservative country, but the tastemakers tend to lean to the left. And so you have this sports situation where the NFL and the NBA and whoever else is in bed with the side that they don't like. They're looking for some kind of culture war affirmation dana white providing that just by doing the interviews is automatically automatically a signal to right-wing america just say that 
Just say that. Just say what you're actually doing rather than being like, we're not doing any politics here. Yes, you are. You quite clearly are. You're just doing a kind that is palatable in general to a large but different kind of audience. You're getting pretty worked up over there. You know, you need I to just don't understand how people can be like, there's no politics here. What you are need you to go punch the clown about? for a few minutes to, to let off some steam or something, Luca? What I'm uh, it's saying just, is, it, it's I don't see it on the broadcast. It's just frustrating. All I'm saying is, I don't see it on the broadcast, okay? That's all I'm saying. And I'm saying <laughs> then that. Then, by I'm definition, you see it. That any choice you make is one that is political inherently. And that in guy nature. put okay. me in a video. Look, that guy made me the star of a trashy video, and I'm Dude, still saying I'm not. Nice listen, when have I said it's bad that Dana White has politics? People are going to have it. You have them, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. I have it. My audience, they know it. They know it. I don't ever hide it from them. And they're allowed to make decisions about to what extent that influences my decision making and the work that I produce. I don't tell you that it's politics free because it's not. It's a lie to say that my work is absolutely free from it. Just as it is similarly true, an organization cannot say we don't do politics. No, you don't do a certain kind of politics. And in general, try to leave out to what extent there might be any political say, but it's not possible to fully extricate the two. There is a significant form of influence. And every time we see them, they always come from the right side. Just fucking say that. Just say it. I liked you a lot better during the Jake Paul discussion. Now you're turning into a whiny old bitch. Oh. Bitch. All right. Well, you know, sorry for trying to be accurate about what we say in this world. That that apparently is a uh, scarlet letter that I have to bear the rest of my life. All right, BC. We move on from that to the real palate cleanser. The thing that everyone is... <laughs> <laughs> The sorbet of MMA. It is yeah, one the sorbet. The sorbet of MMA. One on TNT4, BC. I think it's tonight. I think it it's is. tonight. Uh, it's going to be on TNT, hence the name. And in the main event, you have on, I, I never pronounce his name correctly, La Nang, La, La, La N Sang. La, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I apologize. He's a very good fighter. The light heavyweight championship over there. Are Dude, you Dude, this card kind of bangs, Anyways, Luke. This card kind of bangs. It's the fourth and final of the four consecutive Wednesday nights to kick off one's, uh, you know, full-time, I, I guess, full-time movement to TNT. I'm not sure where, where they're going to go from here. But uh, this has, you know, I always want to say Audie Lang Zine, the, the, the New Year's song, Luke. I, I apologize for that. But that light heavyweight guy can bang. He'll be in there against, do you know anything about Reinier DeRitter? Am I still on? Uh, I Are don't. All right. Well, Eddie Alvarez back in the co-main event, Luke. Uh, against uh, OK Ray Yoon, who won last week against Marat Gafarov. So it's going to be interesting to see Eddie fired up from that DQ loss, turned into a no contest, to come back and try to uh, you know make his make his statement about where he's at in his career on US TV. And then we get the damn Rug Rug Umar Kane in a heavyweight opener there against Kirill Grishenko, if you will. But, Luke, do you care about some of this undercard uh, stuff they're going to dangle, too? Shinya Yaoki against uh, Edward Furlong from Terminator 2 and uh, Colby Northcott. You see, you would think you would learn from your one mistakes and your risen, or excuse me, your risen mistake to not then follow it up names. with a one mistake. You'd be wrong, though. You'd be I, wrong. Don't, I don't pronounce names correctly all the time. But Colby Northcutt is the younger sister, I believe, of Sage Northcutt, Luke. And Correct. she'll be making, I think, her... Uh, MMA debut here against uh, Australia's Courtney Martin. I saw that, uh, what's her damn name? I saw that Colby 
did an interview and she said that Sage has been uh, hit very hard by COVID and has been like in and out of hospital care and stuff. So we certainly wish him well. I know he had to recover from that broken face in his one debut. But do you have any expectations or, or care or entertainment concerns about another Northcutt entering the MMA space? Uh, I, I, mean, I don't have a strong opinion about one way or the other. The Alki Fuliang fight was, which is the one you had referred to earlier. That's a rematch that Alki won the first time via submission. So they're going to run that one back, and I'd be curious to see how that goes. Obviously, Rug Rug is going to be, you know, for the MMA hardcore, can't miss. Eddie Alvarez getting another chance to get things right um, with the co-main event there, and then you know, a really decorated and, and good champion that they have. Um, I think he's, I think he's Malaysian or. Is he Burmese? I'm, I'm not entirely certain of his uh, his origin. I've seen him fight a couple times. Burma Say turned again? into Myanmar. On yes, the Myanmar. Yes, no. I'm trying to remember where he was from. Um, yeah, the Burmese Python. That's right. So, so we'll see. But Brandon Vera talks big about him, saying he says he's really, really good. Um, 35 years old, coming off of a loss in his last fight. They're going to run that one back to the same dude. So we'll see how it goes. Could be interesting. Do you think when when Shatri? Uh, talks with the producers ahead of the next episode of uh, One Championship, the Apprentice Edition, that he says, look, no politics in this show. Like the UFC, we need to keep that shit out of this, all right? Probably. Do you, I mean, but like, what... Well, you know what? They're going to stay out of any pro-Hong Kong you know, messages. You know what I'm saying? They're not going right. right. to jeopardize the relationship with ma- mainland China over that. Have I you ever you been that. to Singapore, Luke? Will you ever go there? Uh, I've never been. I would go. I would I'd go, love but to I've see them been. cane your shit on air as part of like an MK doc. You you have this weird set of fantasies that all revolve around me suffering either emotional or physical harm. I don't know what is wrong with you or this relationship. I grew up in the eighties, Luke. Okay, that you that know, is it. I remember Michael Fay getting caned, but I'm oh, not caned. Wow, but I'm not going to go a deep cut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You thought I forgot that shit? I didn't forget that. But I'm not going to go around spray painting Mercedes. You know what I'm okay, saying? Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. All right. Yeah, that's a deep cut right there. Uh, all right, wow. that'll be tonight for p- losers who want to see that. All right, by the way, BC, hey, Morning Combat listeners, I want to talk to you about the CBS Sports mobile app. Ooh, As you know, like it's a, my... An organic read? Yeah, go for it. BC, this is the truth. You understand that? As you know, BC, it's my go-to for live scores and breaking news, but it's NFL Draft Week, and I want to let you in on a little football fan hack here. If you don't have the app, you can download it at your mobile app store, The CBS Sports app is totally free. Once you have the app, or if you have the app already, make sure your NFL team news and draft alerts are turned on via the settings screen. takes about five seconds. You'll not only get updates on each pick your team makes, but also when the pick is in, breaking news if your team makes a big trade, and lightning-fast analysis like draft grades and player comps on each of your team's draft picks. The CBS Sports app is the best way to never miss an NFL draft moment. So if you haven't yet, fire open that CBS Sports mobile app and get your mobile war room ready ahead of all the action this Thursday. BC, definitely don't change the settings on your phone. <laughs> don't don't do that. I only the only let me ask you a question. Notifications on your phone, which ones do you get? Cuz I have a I have a consistent theme across mine. I get Text message notifications, Slack notifications, not Ooh, audible. That's brutal. But that's brutal. It's brutal, but you got. I guess you got to know what's going on in your work life to have that balance that no one has. Um, 
I think that's it. Oh, no, I get a notification every day that um, 5 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Classic Vinyl with uh, with my favorite DJ there that that shows on. And often I'll get that notification and I'll I'll tune it in, Luke. OK. OK. Yeah. Uh, I only a- get notifications from a real human trying to directly contact me right now. So if the phone rings, if someone texts me. I have WhatsApp for, you know, other donks, and that's it. I don't have any other notifications. Oh, I get ESPN notifications for, like, giant breaking news of, like, across all sports. Right? Yeah, no, I don't have any breaking news alerts. They're just I designed mean, not ESPN, to get you to sorry, use your phone. CBS Sports, of course. CBS Sports. Yeah. Right <laughs> what am I talking about here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get the notification when DC and Ariel starts. Yes, all right, yeah. Wow! Great job selling the uh, selling the company app. Ah, yeah. Really, really did it. <laughs> we're gonna need to find a new home after this episode for more than one reason. Oh yes. yeah, we're All getting right. we're getting super fired when this is over. Yeah. All right, BC. It's time for fan submissions. Take it away, good sir. All right. So here's the deal: not doing the wheel of death this week. I'm sorry. I was in a position to mail it in, and I don't want to mail it in. So next week, Luke and I in proximity at the damn Mohegan. We can do it in person. We can have some fun. But fan submissions, you know the email address, morningcombat at gmail.com. You can send in your picks, send in your, well, no stick picks. That's, that's for damn sure. But, uh, you know, every Wednesday we do this because we've got mail. All right, let's see. I'm like very excited. Like Chippendales, today. right? Yeah, all mail. Yeah, yeah, brother. All right. J.A. kicking it off here. Jay Aaron, maybe? Uh, MK fans don't drink coffee in the morning. Wow, Luke, they drink four loco out of the MK mug. Your thoughts? I don't know why our brand is what it is, but this is our brand. Right. Also, this man is wearing shorts, and the first thing I did was look at his well, I was trying to find his package, and I couldn't find one. So there you go. Uh, wow. Wow. Our producer's jumping in saying, oh, well, I can't say that on the air. Yeah, you're right. You are right about that. Uh, those are some John Stockton ball huggers there. Impressive, J.A. What was the Jose, When was the last time you had a four loco? I know exactly what, what it was I've for I've never me. had one, but I used to drink in mid-2000s. You remember Sparks? That came out. It was one of the first energy liquors. Vaguely. It was an orange can. I think it was called Sparks. Hopefully somebody can dead wrong me. I just remember one time, Luke, drinking two cans back to back before a Wilco concert in Boston <laughs> and feeling like I had just like hung out with Motley Crue for the whole night and done you know lines up and down the freeway. Like that you should not mainline two 16-ounce cans of Sparks back to back, Luke. I was ready to uh, peel my skin off. You know. So this is a true story. Remember that time I told you I went to one of the Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix? It was the one where Fedor lost to Bigfoot. It was at the yes. IZOD Center in New Jersey, wherever the fuck. It was fuck. a sad night, yes. Sad night for my career, too, because I remember Strike Force at the time put me all the way in the back on the floor, so much so that there was no seats behind me, and I could feel the heat from the pyro on the stage. I mean, they put me, they didn't give a fuck about me. They put me in the worst possible seat. And I remember, I was like, wow, man, like. They still don't, because you know, I, I, I don't had... think you got any of that Bellator merch in the mail, so you can argue no, that they still zippy, don't care about you at all. Though, I got know? zippy Bellator merch. They didn't give a fuck either. <laughs> Uh, and I remember I went back to my my sad hotel 
thinking, wow, man, I really have done nothing for myself in this life. And I went and drank two Four Locos that I got from the gas station across the street. That's a true story. Yo, that's a low moment in the career right there. That is Bro, sad it was super shit. low. It was, I was like, I was like, wow, man, I'm a legitimate nobody to these fucks. The only one who had a worse uh, night than you was Fedor when Bigfoot turned his face into hamburger. You could have been asking yes. Fedor about his favorite Russian novels and just, you know, uh, gone deeper into hell. That would have been great. It's true. Right. It's true. It really is Apparently, true. Apparently, everyone named J.A. is a straight-on a-hole. So let's move on here. Andres V. jumping in. BC, the outline on this is rough. <laughs> you botched the shading in what is Mr. Hebos's proudest moment. He may be happy with it, but anyone with eyes can't see this is beat. You completely missed the mark. You do not have what it takes to be Ink Master. So I think that yeah. is you. Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. So they're copying the. So these two guys are Oliver Peck. And I forget the donk on the other side here, but he's famous. He's uh, specializes in, in uh, tattooing in Miami, and then in particular Japanese. Chris Chris Nunez. And when they w- that he this person who wrote this is actually this is deceptively good. He took all the phrases and taglines that these two donks have, and then wrote that in this style. <laughs> it says uh, day one fan from the true north, strong and free. What the hell's the true north, strong and free? Is that Canada? I guess. I don't know. He says, uh, Andres says, Luke, we've seen your best tattoo. Now let's see your worst. BC, great having you back from vacation. Andy V. Andres, Andy, whatever. Andy V, Luke, wants to see your worst tattoo so we can heckle you Mr. Hebos style. No. I have enough shame to keep mine covered up. Where is your worst one? Just so I know. Where? Where is my worst one? Here. On my chest. Okay. Any, any. It's any, very small, though. I don't, I'm going to get it covered up. Okay. Well, is it about a girl that you no longer frequent? No. No, of course not. I'm, Jesus, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, Todd M is here, and he says, I just wanted to illustrate what I'd imagine the fabled land of wind and ghosts to look like. <laughs> um, you Can we know, zoom surprising. In here I got to tell you, some surprising faces in there. Yeah. You know what? They, you know, you know what they should have done, BC. They should have put uh, all the people we uh, uh, from the from the resume review. I yes. mean, I realize that Adesanya didn't get knocked out, but that would be that would be pretty good. So we got Jorge, Curtis, Blades, Ben Askren, Connor, Whaley, and Stipe right there. All right, yeah. uh, the land of wind and ghosts, otherwise known as Hell, Luke. <laughs> uh, let's go over to at game. Raw aesthetic. This is a morning combat punch out. No, poster. it's gamer aesthetic. Oh, game raw aesthetic. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What was that thing I butchered the last time, Luke? Uh, uh, ther- thermalitis, ther- thermilitis, uh, ther- thermopile, or something. Yes, ther- thermopoly. Thermopoly. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah, that's that. That's that's uh Mike Tyson's punch out we're playing we're playing on here, Luke. Morning um, combat punch out. Your right leg looks like you had it half of it amputated. My left leg there looks a little I too soon. Too soon to say Wideman-y. By the way, I'm really happy those videos that came out of Wideman with his family outside the hospital, like cheering yeah, for are that you? guy. After you after you make a joke, you're really you're really happy. I didn't about commit it. to the joke, that's the difference. I like I let it slip out. Can I go Andy Silva like? Yeah, I mean, you know. All right, all right, yeah. Uh, born on the 4th of July guy? I mean, come on, how, how, FDR? Yeah, but yeah. first steps to doozy, Frank, right? Yeah, all Wasn't right. his polio? Yeah, well, it's, it's been enough time elapsed between then and too soon. I mean, come on, 
It's not like he's. You making you making polio jokes now? No, no. Is that no, it? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Did, final you, have, one. did you have your pol- polio vaccine? Uh. No, I, I I try to avoid measles, mumps, and or rubella. I've only did uh, COVID this this year, Luke. Okay, right. you know me. I'm she I'm did. largely anti-vax, which you hate about me. But I, you know, I I wasn't anti. Well, it's just because one. it's a totally indefensible and absurd position. But you know, they're only miracle. Literally, science is perhaps best achievement in the 20th century: the eradication of disease. And people are like, yeah, but they could be bad because I have. A friend at clownpenis.fart who told me so. Ah, we're in Well, not only will we get fired, but this will probably be where we lose the most of our audience this episode. A lot of Jake Paul, a lot of anti-right stuff going on out of you. I I didn't say a single thing that was anti-right, and anybody who says that is a fucking idiot. Okay. Oliver M. is here. He says, finally found photographic evidence of where Luke was rushing to be all those years he had a, quote, second job he had to get to. (laughs) You know what? What's on that dog there? Some cheese? I'm not against that. Uh, no, I'm not either. So above the cooler, it says Luke's hot dog. Hot dog. And uh, look, at, yeah. look at look at my customer smiling like an asshole. <laughs> look at the face on you as you jam that that wiener into the uh, into the buns right there, Luke. That's uh, yep. Yeah, that's uh, wow. I got people calling me. Shaq Majori calling me, bro. I got a live show going on here, all right? Unless you're telling me I should, uh, I should stop getting fired. All right, let's keep it going. We got one more, Luke. This is the best fan submission maybe we've ever had. A fella by the name of uh, the hell is this guy's name? Alan, Alan Newman. Love this guy. He not only loves this show, Luke. He's indoctrinating the next generation in his family to be all MK all the damn day, nearly every day. Let's check this out. Our passion, this is our life. This is the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas, I'm Brad Campbell. Bye! Our passion, this is our life. This is the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas, I'm Brad Campbell. Bye! That's the most wholesome moment in the history of the show, without question. I know. It is a very sweet. That girl seems quite nice, uh, you know, beautiful little girl. But now I'm worried about the father influencing her with this show. I might have to call Child Protective Services on him. Oh, come on. Come on. Don't go, don't go there. Just, no one needs to catch a predator here. This is just wholesome entertainment for all ages, Luke, okay? <laughs> That, that little I have to say, thank you for that. That little girl is incredibly sweet. So for if she's watching this... Uh, thank you, young lady. You did a phenomenal job with that. Yes, I mean thank, that, that was nice of you. I, like Kobe, you're a girl dad, so that was very nice of you to embrace that, Luke. Yes, she was very sweet. And also, my daughter had a birthday yesterday, so I'm in a very, I'm in a pro daughter mood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, but don't call me daughter, right? Not for yet, tool. Will uh, remind me. Don't call me. I think that's it for us me. today, BC. This show sucked today. Huh? I, you know, you could argue it was one of our best just for randomness, but yeah, it, it was pretty bad. It, was, it, it lacked sucked. a little bit of like, you know, coherent. It lacked a topic. wheel, to be honest yeah. with you. Maybe that's on me, okay? Maybe I got to say, I'm glad there was no wheel today. Really, really very happy no wheel. Your temperament probably would have submarined it for the second straight week, Luke, which is maybe a big part of why I just took no, the ball. No, didn't last me. last week. I had the vaccine that I was still dealing with. Now, yeah, I'm, you but know. you were also a world class a hole during it too. So you know, well, dude, your intros. I mean, it's like the chap, the first chapter of fucking War and Peace. Just get to it, will you? Okay. Okay, Luke. Okay. All right. Okay. Look, Tolstoy. 
Can you can we find you an editor, Glenn Greenwald? Jesus Christ. Let's tighten it up here a little bit. All right. Uh, let's remind everyone, BC's done some great interviews. Chris Ariola on the channel now. And even if you're not like, oh, I don't want to see that MMA fan, it's actually a really good interview for a guy who's been around and seen some shit. I actually really enjoyed it. What's up? I was going to say, we have another morning combat bonus out there. We are MK almost every nearly damn day. Rashad Evans and I sat down for another installment of Storytime with Sugar that went out yesterday, Luke. This is a can't-miss episode. I'm sorry. Chuck Liddell, UFC 88, the knockout punch heard around the world. Here's why Rashad is great, Luke. He told us the story of the tough finale when he pissed his pants during the fight and no one noticed. He's going to tell you the story of how he forgot his cup before the Liddell fight and what he did next. You're not going to want to miss this. Okay? No, he told me that story in uh, an interview I did with him. All right. Well, there's a lot of great stories here on, on what you could really argue was the most iconic, biggest fight of his life, even though there yes. was not a title at stake. Great little piece of business, if I do say my, so myself. Check that out. Yairi Prohatska. Also, later this afternoon, you're going to check out that interview. Talking Dom Reyes, talking Adesanya, talking about... Uh, this guy's a killer, Luke. This guy, Prohatska, I mean, he's just a reckless killer. All right? No doubt about it. No doubt about wild it. wild-ass so hair, too. Yeah. yeah, he certainly does. He's a wild man. So that'll be up a little bit later. Uh, if you want to try Showtime, you can. Showtime.com. Uh, oh, actually, excuse, hold on. Don't put it. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. So this is the, uh, if you want to follow and subscribe us, Morning Comet, same name everywhere. Obviously, between Twitter and Instagram. Uh, BC, our Instagrams are boring as fuck. We should just point that hey, out. Hey, we just reached 20,000 followers on at Morning Combat. Yeah. Instagram. The Morning Combat Instagram account is good. Our Instagram accounts are shit. They're not good. Well, I'm not here to... Uh to make you know i'm not really here for clicks luke okay i'm here for content i'm the king of content they're not exclusive are they they're pretty they're pretty connected actually um all right so by the way i think we have a graphic for like the jake paul excuse me the logan paul mayweather thing do we have one for that i thought we had a lower third for that there it is june 6th miami showtime pay-per-view chances are bc will be there i don't know <laughs> i don't know if showtime is going to give me the call up from the bullpen for this one. I think that remains to be seen. I but hope you go because we could do a lot in South Florida, you and I. We could do Listen, there actually, stuff. we should talk about that for just a second. There is a way for me to go and cover this. I actually feel like in a way that Showtime and CBS would benefit from, but it requires them letting me have a little bit of a leash. And if they don't want to give me that, I understand. I get it. It's no controversy. But I think, BC, don't you agree, Give us a little latitude in how we cover this. I I think the audience would be better Very off. For Jimmy it. Buffett of you going changes in latitude there, Luke. I'm wondering if you can become the big brown of this fight, similar to when he picked McGregor to knock out Mayweather on Showtime. Or as um, our producers are saying, could Luke be the new <laughs> Pete Davidson of Showtime? That could be interesting. See what All I'm right. saying? There's 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 ways to do this where I can't tell you that, you know, I'm not going to sell some shit that I have never, ever liked. And all of a sudden now I have to like it because Showtime's doing it. But there are some other ways I could potentially touch the product that the fans might appreciate. Uh, we'll see. Um, and if you want some merch, you can go to store.show.com. Uh, you can get some shit. There you go. If you want to try Showtime, you can go to showtime.com. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go pound sand. And if you want to take that plunge, 
It's show.com slash Bellator MMA for six months for 99. BC, have we, I guess we've kind of alluded to it and kind of talked about it. We should make it official. We are going to be together in Connecticut almost all next week. Are you ready for that? Yeah, it's going to be a big week, a long week. We're going to, we're going to be doing a lot of different, a lot of different. How is it we're vaccinated? And now we have to quarantine even longer for. Yeah, for, they're uh, like, we need you to get there two or three days earlier to I make was like, sure you're. I, fully- I'm fucking vaccinated. Why do I have to? Okay. I don't get it. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. If they're just asking uh, us to like sneak out the back door and head to the uh, the edible store or something, you know, they're just asking for that. <laughs> we should just. I don't know. What's a what? What do anti-maskers do to really show what assholes they are? Should we march through a Kroger with no masks on and cheer? Well, or something? if we do, I think it'll be documented. Do we or do we not have the great uh, less than Jake following us around next week? Oh, uh, I, I believe that part three of the documentary will be in effect. So we'll see how that goes as well. Right. Next week's a big week for the show. It's a yes. big week. You could argue, Luke, the next few months. are going. I mean, there's not only no shortage of big fights across boxing, MMA, and this new celebrity fighting. But, I mean, we got Connor Dustin 3 in July. I mean, I want to be there in Vegas. This is a, a big time to be a combat sports fan, an even bigger time to get on this MK rocket ship, okay? Because it's, it's coming. Yeah, lot, I mean, be a lot of coming. This, here's what I know for sure. This summer is going to be a lot better than last summer. A lot. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. Well, that is it for us today. We appreciate you guys watching. Yeah. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. When Friday comes around, we'll do all the previews for all the weekend's fights. So be on the lookout for that. For CB Dalloway, my co-host over there. Wow, CB, you're, you really let yourself go there. He looks like you put on about 150 pounds. Deal uh, with it. Deal with it, bro. <laughs> I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Malka. Thanks to Showtime. Thanks to CBS. Until Friday, may all of your gains be loyal.